0: And what is up everyone? I am Joe Hoyos. I'm host of Beyond the Woodline. Tonight we have a recorded show, so you guys are going to be watching it. Don't comment. I mean, you can comment. You just won't get a response from either one of us. Uh, if you do have questions, of course, you can post it and one of us will try to get back to it. If I don't have the answer, I'll ask Jill for it and she'll, uh, we'll, we'll supply an, an answer for you that way. Uh, but real quick before we get started. I just wanted to remind you that, uh, I have, uh, I'm part of the Jevany Research Group, which is the, uh, uh, it's a Bigfoot research group, and, uh, we have teams all over the country. So if you guys have any, uh, questions, any issues, any, uh, uh concerns regarding Bigfoot, you need someone to come over and check it out or help you out, or you just want to talk to someone and, uh, Uh, You know, tell your story. We have people like in Ohio, Michigan, Florida, uh, Maine, Maryland, California, and of course here in Texas. And I know I'm probably missing a couple of other states, but uh, if we don't have anyone in your state, we can certainly find somebody for you. Oh, Oklahoma. We have someone in Oklahoma also. Uh, We can certainly find somebody for you. And you just contact me at beyond.woodline at gmail.com. And if you're interested in being part of the team, Uh, hit me up too. You know, we we can use all the help we can get. You're not necessarily obligated to go out into the field. So if you can, you can do work from behind the computer, you know, find uh, encounters, find uh, witnesses, uh, or find the histories of places, you know, uh, we understand that not everybody can get out into the field. So with all that being said, I have with me tonight, Jill Weaver. Jill, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, man. it seemed like we had quite the issue tonight, but I think we got it squared away, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for you guys, uh, this is Jill. Uh, Jill, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, background on you if you don't mind?
1: Oh, um, yeah, my, I have kind of a varied uh, history. I, like a lot of people, kind of started out in the paranormal world. <clears throat> and just started running into so much uh, high strangeness along the way that now I consider myself an investigator of all sorts of phenomena. And uh, I am actually interested in joining maybe one of your uh, Bigfoot teams at some point um, and and learn to venture into the woods. That's probably the one area of spooky stuff that still kind of is unnerving to me. I've been like formally, officially uh, ghost hunting since probably about uh, 2010 when I joined a team. Um, after watching the, you know, all the ghost shows on TV, it became all the rage to do. Um, I had had some strange experiences throughout my life that got me kind of, you know, wondering and, you know, just wanted to kind of look at it from a more scientific standpoint. And uh, and then from there, I ended up uh, creating my own team, uh, Psi Minds Paranormal. Um, We were grouped in the uh, Indiana area, central Indiana. Um, We had a local chapter of MUFON uh, open up in the state after a few years. And uh, I joined that as a field investigator as well. Um, A lot of my other teammates joined. And uh, then from there, I became a chief investigator for MUFON Indiana, um, a position I held for, I I think I held it for uh, less than a year before I stepped down, um, things started getting, uh, really weird in my life connected to that. And it seemed that the more that I delved into the UFO phenomenon, the, the stranger things got. So, uh, I sort of backed away from that for a while and just kind of went back to, um, you know, just plain old ghost hunting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I started out, uh, doing the Bigfoot thing. Right. And, Along the line, I just got more and more into the uh, paranormal, more into the UFOs and alien uh, stuff, which is where I got the name "Beyond the Woodline" because I'm, I'm a Bigfoot researcher. There's more out there, you know, beyond the woodline. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've actually had uh, a lot of paranormal experiences, and I've had two UFO sightings. And uh, oddly enough, no Bigfoot sighting. And I've been doing that for ten years, right? <laughs> so uh, that's just the way it works, right? But I've got a lot of good evidence of vocals and signs and even the footprints you know um, and it's just something that I really enjoy doing and I think that's important that if you're going to have I don't even want to call it a hobby but it's because it's it's not like a hobby you know I, I, it's, it's more than that right um, so if you're going to do something like that and you might as well love it and enjoy what you're doing and I, man, I, I love it there's nothing like being out in the woods even if we don't get any activity at least we're sitting around a campfire with good company. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I tell everybody. That's what it's all about. I think um,
1: that's what all of it is about. I always talk to people, and they don't realize that that all of this investigating is actually a very social activity.
2: Right. Yeah, and you if, know, we, there's a lot of yeah.
1: You're sitting yeah. You're sitting in a paranormal, you know, haunted place or whatever. You're just sitting around, kind of just kind of quietly talking and observing what's going on. And that that to me is is the best part of
0: it. Right. And in, in all honesty, some of my best friends are in the Bigfoot world. Some of these guys that I'll be friends with for the rest of my life, you know, they're guys that I've met in the Bigfoot world. And there's a couple of guys that I've met because of their encounters that I'm like really good friends with now and I'll always be friends with them. Um, Walter is one of them, for example. I met him almost three years ago after he had an encounter and he contacted me and he happens to live in the area. So, um. Man, we've become really, really good friends, and we talk all the time. We talk today, as a matter of fact. Uh, just a real quick, interesting, funny little story. I was getting into my truck this morning. I, it was like 7.30, and putting my backpack in my truck, getting ready to go. And, uh The area of the town that I live in, uh, everyone like walks their dogs or goes jogging in the morning and walking in the morning. It's one of those kind of neighborhoods. This guy was walking, and he stops, and he's like, uh Hey, have you seen a Bigfoot? And I'm like, no, but I've talked to a lot of people who, who, who've seen it. I told them I have a podcast actually. And he goes, Yeah, I, I see your stickers on your truck. <laughs> he goes, and I've always wanted to ask you about it. And I said, like, Well, yeah, man. I said, you know, uh, you ever want to talk about Bigfoot, man? Come stop by. And he says, Well, my coworker's sister saw one. And I'm like, Well, dude, tell me about it. You know, you know, what do you know? And he's like, uh, She just said that she was driving through a wooded area, and it walked out in front of her car. And uh, I said, well, "What kind of details did she get?" He said, "She said it was really big, really hairy." He goes, "But she said it had broad shoulders, and that it kind of walked hunched over, you know, and that it just kept on walking and just walked right into the wood line again." And that was the last time, you know, only time she saw it. And real quick encounter, but you know, I, I told him, "I said, well, dude, you got to give me her number or give her my number, and uh, I'd love to talk to her." So uh, those stickers on my truck come in handy sometimes, and you know, people ask me about it. You know, um, and it's always fun when friends and family come up to you and they're like, hey, you, you're into all this stuff. This happened to me. Right. And it's always fun. Or they know people who have had encounters with, you know, whatever paranormal UFOs or Bigfoot. And it's it's always fun to be that guy. Does that ever happen to you?
1: <clears throat> all the time. I, you know, we always talk about, you know, people who. There, there tends to be this perception sort of in, in the real world out there that, you know, all of us are kooks and nuts and, you know, and, and people will will say those things, but on a one-to-one basis, as soon as they know you're a paranormal researcher, what whatever, they always have a story. They always want to tell you a ghost story, a UFO story, you know, whatever. So I think, I think that people actually believe, but they don't think that it's socially acceptable to let anybody know that they do. And um, it, yeah, there's just so many personal e- experiences out there, and you can tell people just really want to tell somebody, but they just don't know who. And so when you give them that opportunity, I mean, just like sometimes the the floodgate's open. people are just they just you know, have been keeping some of these things in for for years or or for decades, even. And I find that kind of a sad commentary that it, it's almost, I think, kind of a disinformation. Campaign. Um, when I was with MUFON, I mean, the, the standing joke was that you know it was the CIA that started National Enquirer because they wanted to be able to collect all these reports, you know, go right. squash them, and then and then basically ridicule the people that had come forward with their stories. Right. And you know, when I was a MUFON investigator we got a few pranks. I mean, we had, we had one hoax and it was pretty obvious that it was a hoax and, you know, we squashed that right away, but I would say probably 99% or even almost 99.5% were genuine, hardworking, normal people that have to be, you know, sitting outside in the dark, you know, smoking a cigarette. A lot of smokers have sightings or, you know, just people who happen to notice something and, Many of them molded over for days, weeks, years, decades before they finally you know filed a report. They were f- afraid to come forward. I mean these are not all you know kooks and nuts and you know whatever the 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 common person thinks um I interviewed um police officers, firemen, nurses, doctors, scientists um. I had one report and the the gentleman had to remain anonymous because he said he literally was a rocket scientist. He had a top security clearance. He was a rocket scientist. He saw a craft that put out a vapor trail, um, almost like donut shaped. It put out like these round puffs of smoke. And he said he, and, and at the time with his security clearance, he was well aware of cutting edge terrestrial craft and he said he mulled that over and that bothered him for 10 years because he could not figure out what type of engine system that would have been that would have created that type of a contrail i mean the, the you know he just went into it you know deeply scientifically and you know academically and he he could not explain it and that's when he filed his report he said i just i had to tell somebody somebody needed to know about this
0: yeah you're absolutely right uh i think uh and i don't mean this in a bad way but i think people think it's just like a bunch of crazy hillbillies that see these things right or something mm-hmm. like that and, um, and and even though you have simple folk who do see this stuff you also have like I said the police officers uh judges mm-hmm. uh lawyers uh i know a, a surgeon that moved here to texas just so he could research bigfoot because he had an encounter you know, uh, in one of his states, and then he found out that Bigfoot was pretty prevalent here in Texas. So he moved to Texas. And you're talking about, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think there's a, there's some misconceptions about who the witnesses are. Uh, and you're right about people holding it in for decades. Cause I know people who haven't even like told their wife for like 20 years, you know, uh, cause of the ridicule that they faced when they first had this encounter. Um, I spoke to a gentleman a few years ago and he's been married and I don't know, 30 something years, 32, 33 years now. And he's never told his wife about his encounters and his encounter, uh, his second encounter actually scared him so bad. He, you know, he urinated himself. And uh, as a matter of fact, me and my friend were talking about that today, that uh, when someone tells you that, look, I've, I urinated myself, that's, that's uh that's pretty serious you know, to scare a grown man, a hunter who's in the woods, who has a rifle on him and he gets that scared, you know, but, um, uh, and for them to hold it in that long, it's just, I think, like you said, society really, you know, labels people as some kind of cool or crazy person or, and then you, of course, and you that, have the and, that,
1: and that's so, I mean, it's just, it's so unfortunate because people are carrying this sense of, I mean, it was a terrifying event and now they're carrying a sense of shame and everything else with it. And that that's just thats just totally needless. I'm, I'm sure people have PTSD as a result of it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. I would ever uh, go
1: back if I saw
0: something. Yeah. So, so like, uh, I hate to mention Walter, but Walter will tell you too, that uh, when he first contacted me, uh, he actually contacted Will Jevning first and then Will told me, hey, there's a guy in your area. So I called up Walter and we got together. And we, man, we I went to his house, we met up and he's like, okay, I'll take it to the location. So we went out there and we're good. And this is a long road. I mean, maybe six, seven miles back into the woods. And when we got about, I don't know, a half a mile from his location. I mean, he's white knuckling his steering wheel. Right. And he's like, his eyes are shifting all over the place. We get to the area, we get off the car and he has his head on a swivel. And it's the daylight, you know, it's in the middle of the daytime. I mean, maybe one, two o'clock in the afternoon. He's like spinning around, looking. He hears every little pop. He's like spinning around, and this guy he was uh, he was in recon. He was a marine, and uh, he's like spinning around, and he's like, "Did you hear that? Did you hear that?" You know. And he had some serious PTSD, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, she could walk up on him and like scare him like that. You know, uh, the poor guy. You know, but going out there a few times, and the many times as we've gone out there with him. Uh, he said that actually helped him get over it. You know, even though he's still kind of jumpy, he's not near as bad as he was at the beginning. And uh, a little bit of
1: desensitization, then,
0: right? And I talked to a guy last week, and uh, he was like so relieved to talk to somebody who believed him. You know, and I think that's very important for people, for witnesses. And uh, when you have a strange encounter, and this goes for anyone who's not uh, it just doesn't have to be Bigfoot, you know, UFOs and paranormal. When they're able to talk to someone who believes them or can relate to that, it, it helps them out. That's part of the reason why I do this show, too, because I think uh, when other people hear that other people experience this stuff, it, it helps them out in the long run. So, uh, you know, I, that's one reason why I do that, too, just to get some let people know that they're not alone.
1: I think it is very therapeutic. And then, you know, the investigator in me is. You know, when you see somebody that is literally having the signs of PTSD, that can't be faked. I mean, Hi. one one of my um, my witnesses, I, I investigated her case, and we later became friends. She was actively being abducted when I was, you know, I'd come out to her house. She would call me, and she'd say, I think they're out tonight. I have, you know, she would just get that feeling, and, and I'd go over to her house. Well, there was one particular instance. We were walking in the dark toward my car and uh, I used to have an old Honda Odyssey and it had the sliding doors that you could you could trigger with your key. And we were getting close to the car and I triggered the door and so the door popped and the light came on. That woman about literally jumped out of her shoes. She just she had such an aggravated startle response and you you can't fake that. That that mm-hmm. I mean I knew that she was going through something extremely traumatic. Right. and um, and yeah, you that that can't be faked. you know that that's not normal, you know yeah. uh, you know any yeah. any grown man should not be that fearful of you know a daylight walk in the woods, for example
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. As, as, as we were leaving that area and we were I mean we, it's like a little turnaround because there's only one way in, one way out. as we were pulling out, we're driving. And a squirrel runs across the road, and he locks them up. He locks his brakes up, and I was so glad I had my seatbelt on because I would have went through the windshield. And oh my like, gosh! Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! You know? <laughs> and you know we laugh about it now, but at the time, I mean, he was like, he was like, no, no shit, scared. But uh,
1: he was triggered, yeah. It was totally triggered yeah. him.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as far as the ghost hunting and uh, what got you started doing that, I mean, was there something that happened that? got you pointed in that direction
1: it it wasn't one. it wasn't one little thing i would just say um like from a young age i always was into all of the you know the spooky unknown mysteries you know unsolved mysteries um fate magazine you know all of that ripley's believe it or not like all of that i was just really drawn to that whole genre and including science fiction so i always had that interest Um, I always had like a little bit of a belief. Um, and I just started having just, I think we all have little things that happen to us, but what the difference is, is, you know, do you notice, do you actually pay attention? Do you start trying to piece these, these things together? Um, just little things. Um, I was a teenager. Um, I had a fight with my boyfriend one night. I remember um, I'm we're sitting in my room and I was so angry at him. And my picture that I had of him on my dresser like flew off <laughs> and landed cool. on the floor, you know. So I was like, well, that was kind of odd. Cool. Um, you know, just a, a lot of little experiences like that. Um, probably. And I would say too that a lot of that can sort of merge with um, with spirituality and, and other metaphysical beliefs. Um, I had taken a trip uh, to Egypt, and I went with my sister. Um, we went into the Great Pyramid, which I'm telling you that that is something that every every person needs needs to experience. It's it's absolutely humbling when you climb into such a huge structure of these huge, you know, pieces of of stone. And and when you enter the tomb, it's everybody just sort of whispers. You just you realize you're in this almost sort of like a sacred space. It's almost like a liminal space. Well we had gone into the king's chamber and then we exited and most people just go into the king's chamber and leaves. But if you go a little bit further down that Uh, That chamber. There's a side chamber, and it takes you into what's known as the queen's chamber, which is it's pretty far away from the king's chamber. It's also uh, at a downward angle, but it's not as finished. There was never any um, sarcophagus or anything found in it. It's basically an unfinished chamber. Now. I mean, this was back in the in the early 90s. so you know you don't you know, this was before you know Instagram and everybody you know was going to the pyramid. It was usually just some pretty you know diehard travelers. So there weren't a lot of people in the pyramid at that time. You know, you have these 30 ton you know granite slabs, you know sound isn't gonna be you know traveling or, or reverberating anywhere. And so it was just my sister and I and we were we were climbing down and she was ahead of me and i heard clear as day someone whisper my name in my right ear and it stopped me dead in my tracks it absolutely stopped me and uh, and i just said to my sister i said Let, let's not go any further i was incredibly creeped out you know i mean i'm in a foreign country you know too and there's you know and there's not very many Jill's. i don't think i ever told my sister <clears throat> what happened And so that was kind of a real profound experience for me and so i just kind of started watching for profound experiences and just watching for things that you know were strange Um, i happened to have a real estate uh career i got into and that was in the height of the foreclosure crisis and this was in indiana around 2008 2009 so there were a lot of a lot of abandoned houses, basically Um, houses would sit vacant for, you know, almost sometimes more than two years as they were going through the foreclosure process. And so I would, I'd be showing these houses, which, you know, are definitely, you know, stigmatized. And I started having weird experiences in these houses. Um, I would have camera malfunctions. I wouldn't be able to take pictures. Um, I would take pictures. I would develop them. I'd see all kinds of like weird shapes in them. Uh, my very first listing, I had an electronic lockbox that detached itself. And my client called me and he said, your lockbox is is over here hanging on a peg. And I said, how is that possible? I said, I had it locked to the security gate on the door. And he's like, I don't know. He goes, we just found it over here. <coughs> and And I went over and you know, I, I called the the tech services. I said, how is it possible that my lockbox, like, detached itself? And they said, well, you must have given someone the shackle code. And I said, I'm a new agent. I don't even know what my shackle code is. You know, I use my key <laughs> to access it. it. You know, and everybody just kind of shrugged. You know, I was in the office. I'm asking other, you know, agents, you know, that have been there 30 or 40 years. And they're like, I don't know. It never happened to me. And, well, I did a little digging. And it turned out that that, <clears throat> that listing of mine, it was for an investor client. And I saw, I called him up and I said so how exactly did you get this house? He said oh you know I I bought it at an auction and he said um you know it was it was all trashed uh we had you know fixed it up and then it got trashed again and I said what do you mean by trash? And he said well somebody had been in there and there was all kinds of you know graffiti spray painted all over and I think they had set a fire or whatever. And I was like well this is this is really like the definition of a stigmatized property. And um, and that I actually had had my camera malfunction in there, too, when I was trying to do my listing. And <clears throat> so I told my client, I said, you know, my advice is, you know, let's just get this you know, fixed up. I'll put a regular mechanical box on the house and, you know, let's just get this thing sold because there's something kind of strange at work here. And um, and uh, and and we sold it. And then I drove past the house like a couple of weeks after closing and um, and the garage door was all wonky, and a tree had fallen on it.
2: <laughs> so, oh, like, that's-
1: it's like yeah. man, that house was just—it was just bad news. It was just bad news all the way around. So, um, that's about the time I I, I joined a team, and uh, one of my first teammates actually turned out later to be one of my clients. We'd—I'd been showing this beautiful old Victorian house. And we were hearing footsteps and sounded like somebody else was in the house with us. And you know, we saw some things move and and my client said, Did, did he goes, Did you see that? And I said, Yeah, I saw it. I, I heard. And um, and then, you know, I would start carrying a K2 in my in my purse when I was doing these showings, just like before after the <laughs> clients would be yeah. there. I'm like, I'm just gonna do a little test here. And um yeah, that, that Victorian house, I ended up going back um, probably about three or four times. And, um, and and we would do showings and we would just, you know, sit there and that, that place was amazing. It was so active. And, uh, I had the listing agent, of course, you know, he was all excited because he thought, you know, I had a buyer and I said, now, you know, nobody's, I can't get anybody to actually, you know, to commit to buying it. And, and I said, you know, I have to ask you, I said, did anyone die in the house? And he got really quiet. And, uh, in under new york state or um under indiana state uh disclosure laws that if someone has died in the house you don't have to disclose unless you were directly asked and so i directly asked them so there was this long pause and he said well yes my mother-in-law passed in the house and i said oh. i said okay i said that's that's good to know. But so I, I felt like it was her. She was probably still wondering what the heck was going on. All these people were traipsing through her house.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: It was absolutely gorgeous house. So, you know, it, I, it, and I, I, I got a lot of haunted real estate stories from, you know, other realtors that I worked with. I actually have quite a file compiled of, of all the um, potentially haunted properties that they encountered. But, I think you have to be a little more attuned to this. I mean, I would get a story or two, you know, here and there from the other agents. But, you know, they had been in this business for, you know, 30, 40 years. And I was having all kinds of experiences just my first year in real estate. So I I think I'm a little more attuned to it. And I think or I just maybe, you know, pay more attention. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah but, I think yeah, probably a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, I think they they just they they will come seek you out, and um, I always do say that you there's a part of you that you do have to believe before you will see.
2: Yeah.
1: And once you have that little bit of belief, and if you can just kind of open your mind up a little bit, you know, sometimes then things will show themselves to you.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, real quick, when you you mentioned the pyramids, I love. The pyramid stuff. I love reading all that stuff and learning and, uh, and I, I always call it like my Richard Dreyfus moments when I'm off on YouTube and I'm checking all the video stuff. Uh, I get the Richard Dreyfus from, uh, Post Encounter thing where he's going crazy, you know, building his, uh, the devil's power. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was right. the devil's
1: power. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 So that's what I call it. I, when I start start to Richard Dreyfus myself, you know, uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I even got my little, my little pyramid right here.
1: See, you need to go. See, it's calling. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, have you ever been scared? Like, legit scared?
2: Um,
1: it, it, kind of, it Kind of yes and no. It, it, a lot of people ask that. And, and the, once again, the perception is, is that ghost hunting is really scary. Um, right. Ghost hunting for me is very uh, cerebral. It's like you're out you're paying attention to what's going on. So the times that I've been, you know like really creeped out is when you're you know for certain that there's no one in the room next to you and you're hearing loud footsteps that that's scary, but it's more in a in a threatening way. you know, um, I've been startled before. Um, I've been touched before and that it's more of a startling thing. Um, Or I'd say kind of just, you know, being intensely creeped out. I can't say that I've never run from a location, knock on wood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same here. Uh, We've uh, many years ago, I lived in a house and it had a lot of activity and we all experienced it. uh, My kids and I, and, We never got, like, the impression that it was had any kind of, you know, ill intent or it was anything threatening or that it was trying to scare us. It was I mean, it was definitely freaky. We definitely got startled and even scared. But, you know, we never, like, okay, it's trying to do something to us or it's trying to run us off. We never got that impression. Um, And we all saw a shadow figure at some point in time or uh, a black figure a mm-hmm. black mass, you know, uh, we were all touched or poked at one time or the other. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just uh, the original owners of that house just letting us know that they were still around. And, uh,
2: mm-hmm. and so, yeah. most it, likely, it,
1: I mean, I've yeah. I've had experiences that if they if they had gone on, then it probably would have, you know, elevated. I, I had a shadow person manifest in front of me. Um, this is at my old house, upstairs in in my office. I was sitting at my desk working, and I I looked up and there was a full blown pitch black shadow man. It was the kind of wearing the hat, standing there like no more than like six feet away from me. And this is in broad daylight, the sunlight streaming in, you know, in my window, and then and then just like that, he he vanished. Now, if that encounter had gone on long enough for my brain to kind of realize, you know, what was going on, or if he'd taken like, you know, movement toward me, yeah, then I, I would have been tripping all over myself to, to get away.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that same and entity. Yeah, never... yeah, I saw the same entity. The Hat Man is what I call him. Mm-hmm. Um When I was, uh, I was like 20 years old. I was still living at the house with my mom and dad. I saw him in my room, and years later I don't know maybe 12 15 years later my niece she got married and she moved in with my mom and they they were staying in that room and her husband at the time saw the same guy in that room too so uh, that was pretty cool that he saw it and I saw it in the same room and then I, yeah I've known very- other, yeah I've known uh I had a friend of mine he uh I guess he kind of invoked it because he was fooling around one night after he moved into a house that someone died in you know actually committed suicide and he found out the day they were moving in that someone had committed suicide and he started turning the light off and on and was telling his wife jack's gonna get you jack's gonna get you the name of the guy and after that they had all kinds of hurt and they actually wind up leaving that house they didn't even stay in there maybe six months and they got out of there because it was just too intense and uh um, it was very very frightening for them but uh um, yeah, I, you know i think people can inv- inv- invoke that kind of stuff if they're not careful you
1: know. yeah I, I i like to tell people that you know we have sovereignty and you know if you take a stand you know in again about protecting yourself and protecting your space um never ever put out a welcome mat you just you don't want to inadvertently give permission you know it's like the old vampire legends you know you have to give them permission to come in and i i really <laughs> right. think that that you don't you don't want to invoke you don't want to let them know that they you know that they can just that they can just come in you have to be really clear about protecting your space and and you know your physical self
0: Mm -hmm. and you know you mentioned you know watching the unsolved mysteries i thought about that uh i was actually me and my friend walter were actually on that podcast they have an unsolved mystery podcast and we were on that show uh, if you ever want to look it up, it's the Bigfoot in Texas episode. I can't remember what episode number it is, but that's what it is. Um,
1: I'll go back. I've probably seen it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what got you into the UFOs uh, and, and the MUFON, for that matter? What, what got you steered in that direction?
1: Um, well, I had, you know, been. Um doing the, you know, the ghost hunts. And then we heard that there was a move chapter opening up and it was kind of funny because, you know, the whole team, we all kind of chatted about it and, you know, I'm really open-minded and that was something that was really interesting to me. I, I think I saw a UFO when I was a teenager, not, you know, any kind of up close, but, you know, when we'd be laying out, you know, under the stars and you'd be, you know, seeing things move that, you know, you knew weren't, weren't planes up there. So I was, I was kind of interested in the phenomena, and um, and some of the other investigators, they said, "Well, those people are crazy." <laughs> and I said, "That's the same thing they say about the ghost hunters, you know." And right. I said, yeah. "You know, maybe, maybe there's something, you know, to that." And then, and then later, my friend acquiesced. She goes, "Yeah, you're right. You know, we think they're crazy, and they think we're crazy." And I said, "You know, it's time for us to start looking at this phenomena in a general." I think it's all facets of the same phenomena or, you know, it's, it's all somehow connected. Um, and at that time, you know, the, the book about Skinwalker Ranch had come out and they had coined the term of high strangeness. And so even MUFON itself was starting to get around the idea that um, that what people were seeing might not necessarily even be physical craft that there could be, you know, other dimensional, uh, you know, who knows what it could be, but they, and a lot of people that were having sightings were also having paranormal activity kick up in their house and, in that whole associated phenomena. Um, so anyway, so I, I joined MUFON and then sure enough, my, my very, very first case was a gentleman and it, when we went in to investigate and we interviewed him it started out the story was is that he just saw a red uh, excuse me a red light that kept floating around so he tells us his story and um while he's telling us his story he's he's chewing his thumb By the time he finished, he had chewed his thumb down to the quick and it was actually bleeding. So there was there was a lot more going on than, you know, him just seeing, you know, a red light in the sky. And I started asking him, I said, you know, if you had strange dreams, if you had anything else that has happened. And he said, someone keeps ringing my doorbell at two o'clock in the morning and they won't stop. He said, I will, you know, I would even just stand outside the door. And as soon as it would ring, I would open it up. And he said, my wife's all upset. You know, she doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, he was like, just make it stop. So there was clearly more, you know, than just this, you know, this light. And then, you know, um, we later sent him to be um, hypnotically regressed. And yes, he was, he was actually having um, more contact and uh, and was possibly, you know, had been abducted. So, you know, just on the surface, it seems like maybe nothing at all, but, you know, he was having the full-blown associated activity. And uh, we had another case, she was also being taken, but she was having these huge flashes of light that were happening in her bedroom. Mm -hmm. And we actually witnessed them. We actually captured captured them on uh, camera we were all staked out at our house and we saw these huge pops of light just like somebody had used a flash and and I said who used their flash and we all said no, no you know nobody's everybody said well you know we don't we're not using our cameras we're not using flash and I said well where'd you see it come from and everyone thought that the directionality was somewhere else so it was kind of weird that we all
2: experienced
1: it. We, didn't, cap- we had didn't actually capture the flash on camera, but we captured all of us talking about it. So it was almost more like it was a, like a mental projection. But what we did capture on camera is while all this was going on, the bedroom door opened itself up. So all on its own. So there's it, it's just a myriad of activity and different phases, I think, of this phenomenon. And it's just really hard to tease apart like they're trying to do at Skinwalker Ranch, you know, what is what is terrestrial, what is ghost, what, you know, what is alien, what is interdimensional? Um, you know, and, and the same thing, that's my feeling about Bigfoot. I mean, as a biologist, I could see that, you know, it actually could be this physical creature that, you know, does leave behind tracks and it does leave behind like, you know, hair samples. But there's been no remains, you know, and, it's always in so much association with UFO sightings that, you know, which phenomena is it? Is it terrestrial? Is it interdimensional? Is it both? Does it, you know, change these different phases of matter? Uh, and there's, there's just so many questions there.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I'm, I'm on the side of the fence of the flesh and blood, but I don't discount anything else that anyone else is saying me because I think <laughs> You know, man, this is a strange world, right? This is a strange universe. You don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on or what's happening. And there's stuff that that we're just never going to know, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't, so when someone comes to me and they tell me, and I've had family tell me uh, they have seen Bigfoot like disappear right in front of their eyes, right? So I don't discount that, you know, and I'm not, and I would never tell anybody that's not what you saw, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like I'm a hardcore Flesh your blood only don't bring anything else with mm-hmm. me I, I don't do that to people and i think you know for the reasons why we talked about it in the beginning you don't want to you know get anyone to shut up or shut down you know mm-hmm. uh you know i want everyone I, yeah.
1: yeah i i think there's there's totally evidence for for both and mm-hmm. i think and i think it's possible to be both i mean i think the observer is determining the outcome i mean that's You know, that's that's the core principle of of physics is, you know, light can go from, you know, being a wave to a particle and and back again. And maybe that's what you're seeing. You know, the particle phase is when it's a flesh and blood creature. And then when it zoops back into being a wave or energy, that's when it's gone right in front of you. I mean, to me, it would explain, you know, shadow men, shadow men, when they pop up, you know, they'll stop a laser. They they are actually matter because only matter can stop a laser beam, but then they'll, they'll just vanish. And, you know, and, and with the physics, as we do understand it, how is that possible? You know, you can't, you can't convert directly from matter into energy without, you know, explosion of heat. So I don't know. There's, there's still some things there that, um, that we do not understand, nor are we even really close to understanding.
0: So, The light that y'all saw in that room, what color was that light?
1: It was bright white.
0: Okay. But
1: now her, um, leading up to when she first started having her UFO experiences, uh, she claims that the very first thing that happened is that she was seeing uh, blue orbs. She saw these small blue orbs of light start to drift through her backyard, and then they were drifting through her house.
0: And the reason why I asked that, and if you see me looking down, I'm just writing notes. Um, the reason why I asked that is uh, I had met someone, and we got really, really close. Uh, and uh, she was an abductee, and she had told me, she goes, look, I'm just letting you know that if you know if we continue this, <laughs> you're going to start having experiences. You know, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm okay, right? And I mean, just in a matter of like a week, I started having stuff happen here and one of the things that happened here was my room filled up with a blue light and uh at this time i was telling walter about you know about this woman and he's like really and i was like, yes yeah. she told me that all this stuff was gonna start happening or whatever and i kind of uh, i was like ah, this, i just i did not want to say i blew it off but i kind of really didn't think much of it you know <clears throat> so i was telling him about this and like i said like a week later when I hot, i saw the the blue light, my whole room just filled up. With like it, it looked like somebody was welding, you know? And mm-hmm. so uh, we went out Bigfooting, and I was telling Walter about this blue light, and, man, his eyes got this big, and he has he had a friend with him, and he's like, hey, did you hear what he's talking about? And she's like, yeah. She goes, yeah, we saw a big blue orb in their room that filled up, you know, that filled up. But I didn't see an orb. They both saw an orb. Yeah, so I thought it was pretty... Uh, uh, coincidental that we both saw a blue light, even though he saw they saw an orb and I didn't but it, what what was weird about I, is that i when I saw the blue light, I just went right back to bed, like nothing, just like oh, my room was blue go back to sleep, so I thought that was kind of weird
1: that yeah that's also evidence that something strange happened <laughs> um, a lot of, yeah, yeah, I think yeah before the show you and I had chatted about that, you know that I would interview people and they'd have some crazy thing happen you know all the treetops were snapping off and i'd say well then what did you do well i just went back to bed and it's like you know that's not a natural response you know it's just yeah. oh okay i'm just gonna go back to sleep you know most people would you know be up for the rest of the night in the next three days and right. you know in pacing around because of it but the the blue light i think is always really interesting to me um, I was just reading a scientific article a couple weeks ago, and they determined that if neutrinos had a color, it would be blue. Hmm. So in, uh, in my medium friend, she said whenever she is like seeing, you know, like seeing an entity, seeing a spirit, she said it'll sort of be surrounded with like this blue light. Okay.
2: Hmm. So
1: I don't know what it is about that part of the color spectrum, but. It's, it's sort of associated with, um, with UFO activity and, you know, and that's how I got, I don't believe that I had ever been taken. I I don't know if that's, if that's true any longer, but, um, the more I got involved in the UFO community and I was going to all the conventions and I had gone out to the, uh, open minds convention out in, in Phoenix one year. And it was, uh, Dr. Lear was there when he was still alive. He was the the surgeon that was removing um, implants from people. Right. And his technician was there and they were scanning people. And, you know, I got scanned. I didn't have any implants. And then he also had, you know, this psychic or this reader. And he was just sort of, you know, doing like a little intuitive scan of people. And he scanned me and he, he said, he said, you haven't been taken yet. And he said, but they want to let you know that they have noticed that you're curious about them. And so if you are expressing curiosity about them, they're going to start getting curious about you. And, and I, I took that very much to heart. And that's when a lot of weird things started happening in my house. Um, I started hearing uh, like really loud electrical discharges, a sound that I couldn't even begin to describe to you sounded like it was, it was in my house. It was like a huge transformer had just like, you know, discharged or like a, like a Van de Graaff machine had just discharged a huge amount of electricity, you know, and there was, you know, nothing, nothing wrong, nothing blew up in the house. Um, My son uh, saw a UFO out his bedroom window I was down making dinner, and he's like, Mom, there's UFO outside. I'm thinking, oh, God, no, there's not. I'm thinking, you know, it's like he's looking at, you know, I think he's looking at something, you know, way far away. And so, you know, I come upstairs, and he's like, well, you know, it took you long enough. It's gone now. And I said, well, you know, where was it? He goes, oh, it was just right out here. It was like, you know, and he points. And he said, "Well, it was going all the way around the house. It was about ten feet away from my window, and it's like holy oh, wow. schmoly, you know." <laughs> like, yeah,
0: you could have said that, right? <laughs> you, you could,
1: you could have yelled a little bit louder.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, and then he uh, he was uh, at his dad's one weekend, and his dad is um, is still to this day a commercial airline pilot, and so his dad took him out flying. And, and as soon as he gets home, he's sending me UFO pictures. He was like, Oh yeah, I saw this, this, it looked like this big black spear that was, you know, flying, you know, when dad and I were out flying. And I said, did you say anything to your dad? He's like, no, he'll think I'm crazy. But you know, he photographed this, this craft. So that started getting a little bit too close to home. It's like, when you start, you know, messing with my kid and I was like, you know, and then I started having, you know, white vans parked in my cul-de-sac. Um, I believe my phone was bugged. I had a weird um men in black missed encounter. Um, we we were joking when we were having our technological issues here tonight that it must be the men right. in black, but um related to one of the cases that that I have already spoken about, um since MUFON was a new chapter and we were having a we were having a big uh, monthly meeting, we got uh, local newspaper coverage. And the local newspaper coverage, I w- I was president of the chapter and I was supposed to be speaking that next week, so I got interviewed and I had taken the reporter out. And I didn't take him to the witness's home, of course. We, we kept him confidential. But we went to an area, I'd say, probably within a couple of miles of this gentleman's house. And I was pointing in the, in the general direction of, of where this, this gentleman were you know was seeing these, these red lights in the sky, which not so coincidentally was toward Camp Atterbury, which is a huge National Guard um, installation in central Indiana. So, I didn't think very much of it. This all comes out in the paper. Um, I was getting ready for uh, for the meeting that week, and in uh, that morning, I woke up and i I had lost my voice completely. which so whenever I lose my voice when I'm speaking about things that's that's always really <laughs> it's always really interesting to me so I had really bad laryngitis. And, um, so I had, I had called the state director and I said, Stu, I said, I can, I can barely, I can barely squeak anything out. And he said, okay, you know, don't worry about it. You know, I'll, you know, I'll speak in, in your stead or whatever. And I said, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to bed. I'm going to, you know, try to feel better here. So, um, my partner at the time, um, my ex-husband had gone to the meeting and, he came home and oh my gosh, he came flying in the door and he is like, he's like, come on, you got to grab a cup of coffee. You got to hear about what happened at this meeting. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, I, I miss, I miss one meeting. Like what the heck happened? And he said, (laughs) um, he said, because I'm, I'm really, really glad that, that you, you didn't attend. And and then, you know, he tells me all this. And one, I always say that, you know, spirit, spirit will protect you. Spirit will save you. And in this case, I, I really think there was something else that, that did protect me. He said um, there were four men that showed up looking for me. They wanted to talk to that lady that was in the newspaper. And then, you know, so as soon as they said that, you know, everybody like they all just like shut up and they're like, well, you know, she's not here. And they're like, where does she live? What's her name? And they're like, we're not telling you that. Why do you want to know? And they're like, well, we need to we need to interrogate her. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if you were really an intelligence agency, you would
2: have
1: would have been for you to figure that out. But he said the weirdest thing was is. um, Two of the guys, I think two of the gentlemen left, but the other two, they just stayed and they just kept acting very strangely. He said at one point, and they were dressed very strangely, kind of like men in black, but they weren't they weren't the well-dressed, you know, dapper men in black. They were just strangely that people always report that sometimes they're just they're just sort of strange. And that's the way these guys were. He was wearing like a white T-shirt, just just sort of inappropriately dressed. Well, he kept whipping his phone out and holding this phone up to his head, and he's going, "We got to shut these people down. They know too much. We got to shut them down." Oh. And so everyone's like, "Okay, you know what's going on?" Um, and so the the room had pretty much cleared. The meeting was over. These gentlemen were still sort of lurking around, and you know it was kind of getting uncomfortable. I think they thought they might going to have a problem with these guys. And so my ex and his son and there was another investigator there and then the state director, they they were going to kind of just kind of keep an eye on this guy. And then the next thing they know, they looked up and he was gone and they couldn't understand where he went because he was sort of backed into a corner of the room. And there was no way he could have left the room without going past or like between between them. He he literally vanished. And so, yeah, that was the story I got when, when he came home and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what, what the hell? It was just this one, you know, it was just this one sighting case. But like I said, is it, is it turned out? It was a lot more than, you know, just seeing some, you know, red OBLs in the, in the sky. And right. I don't know. I don't know if it was bringing the weirdos out because you know, that happens, it brings out the crazies, but I don't know. It's it, it, my life just got so weird for a while.
0: Right. Yeah. My first sighting was, man, it was, uh, I bet close to 20 years ago, uh, I was fishing in in Galveston and the gentleman I was with was off to my right hand side, I don't know, 45 feet to my right. And he, and I hear him goes, hey Joe, what's that? And I look over to him and he points up to the left He goes, yeah, what's that right there? And we look up and about 300 feet above us, there's this round craft. It's a, a perfect disc. We can only see the bottom of it, so I don't know what the top looks like. It was just a round uh, disc, and it was just right above us, so slow and so smooth. I mean, no lights, no shaking, and no noise. And we could hear uh, right down the strip from us, maybe three or four miles down the strip, there's a little landing. Uh, There's a little airport, uh, like single-engine planes, and you could hear them buzzing in. This thing was right above us and made no noise. And it just kept on going right along the the coast until it disappeared. And it took about five minutes for it to get out of sight because it was just... Cruising so slow, I mean too slow in my opinion for anything other than a helicopter uh you know to maintain that airspeed, you know they have to maintain to stay in the air this mm-hmm. thing just just almost almost floating, but just so smooth and then uh about last year, me and Walter we went out big footing, we came back to his house it was late, I don't know twelve one o'clock, and we're in his front yard and uh I'm like, okay, man, I got to take off. And I happened to just look up at the sky, and we see seen these two lights come like this at each other, and they stopped, and then they made a couple little circles, and then they took off in opposite directions. And, I mean, I had my phone out. I'm trying to record it, but the dumb iPhone, you know, it, it doesn't see nothing but black sky, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's the second time I saw it. And that was during this time that uh, all this other kind of weird stuff was happening here at my house. And uh, I was having uh, – because I meditate, I was having weird visions, uh, and I guess there were dreams I was having too of like creatures or beings. I call them creatures because they look weird. They were like standing like around my bed, looking at me. And uh, yeah, they were. It was. I had some weird stuff. Uh, I came out of the shower one day, and my bedroom door is right here, and it was closed. And I saw this little figure back up and go through the door. You know, yeah, it was crazy. It was. It was. I had some fun stuff happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it happened. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's that's just it's been with them their whole lives. But I do know that if you do start hanging out with with abductees, yeah, you will start to have experiences too, because that's when things were so crazy for me. Yeah, people in Mumbai used to say, "Oh, well, you know, I'll never, I'll never meet a contactee," and I'm like, "I've got like at least five or six on speed dial in my phone." (laughs) It's like I don't know what you guys are. Are doing, but yeah, yeah I, at yeah. the time it's like I just, I just kept bumping into so many of them.
0: Right, and um, uh, we had a, um, uh, uh, well, I say we. I had this dream of getting like on a bus, kind of. I don't know. It, I don't know what it was, but I, I know when I got on this this bus, it went up, you know, and it was long and white, and. There was people sitting in, in, in rows and I just remembered the first person I saw was this young girl. She had a hickey on her neck and I just remember that hickey for whatever reason. I just remember that hickey. That was one of the strangest dreams I ever had. It was just so weird. I remember being like in a tube filled up with water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had some weird stuff happen. It was a kind of crazy time for me, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, kind of the stories of my little life my little adventures. And like I said, I haven't even had a Bigfoot sighting yet. That's what I spent most of my time looking for. You know? yeah.
1: Well, maybe, maybe one will come out of a UFO at some point. Uh, yeah, I, maybe. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. One of my contactee cases, she said that, um, yeah, she said when she was on the craft, she said, yeah, there were Bigfoot on the craft and hmm. she got the feeling like they were, they were like helpers. Um, I mean, you know, the, I mean, the famous, the, the the famous sort of sighting that started all that was at Skinwalker Ranch when one of the scientists had the night vision goggles on and mm-hmm. he was watching this orb float around and he could only see it because he had night vision goggles on and it got down right. to the ground and a and a Bigfoot climbed out of it. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and you know, and then another investigator standing right next to him who did not have the night vision goggles didn't, you know, didn't see any of that. And so, you know, it was almost in this different spectrum of, of light, but.
0: So do you know if, uh, has, has anyone ever like received phone calls from, I don't know, the men in black, if you want to say that, or any other entities that tell them basically to shut up about what they're talking about? And um,
1: the- I don't know. I don't know about phone calls. Um, we, I received, me and my husband, we received sort of a veiled threat from the FBI through one of our other friends. One of our friends was testifying in an FBI case and, um, and he was on, he was on Facebook and he was trying to type something. And as he typed, he kept seeing everything like someone else was on the other side, like erasing it all.
2: Right. And then
1: there was like a message that, that, that popped up and, you know, let him, let him know sort of a, a veiled threat that, you know, they knew that he was getting involved with Mufan and, and, um, in that, um, as far as it like a direct threat, um, well, see, that's the thing it's, you a lot of people think that the men in black are, you know, like some, um, you know, top secret or, you know, some black black ops group. The only case that I know of, and this is still pretty much a mystery, is the John Tosti case that was in Indiana. He was in Bloomington. And he and his buddy were out hunting and they stumbled on, I think they saw a craft or something. and uh, And then they had like military men, men in black come to their house and Interrogate them about what they had seen, and you know he had he had been threatened about it.
2: Yeah, and I've I, never I, had that,
1: like actually, like I said, just you know white vans and just kind of like suspicious things going on. Nothing that was really a direct threat.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a and I say we, I was uh, going to Walter's house during all this time, and of course I'm I'm into Bigfoot and you know uh, had UFO stuff going on. And he lives like out in the country also. And I'm going, I exit the, the freeway and I'm heading towards his house. And there's these two SUVs right behind me, black ones. What the hell is going on, right? So I pull into a gas station. I go in there. I go inside. They leave. Go to Walter's house. And I'm telling him about this. And his friend's like, she's listening to our story. And I'm there maybe a couple hours. And she's like, okay, well, I got to take off. I'm going home. I'm just, okay, bye. See See you later. So she calls ten fifteen minutes later. She goes, "Hey, I'm at that gas station. And those two black SUVs are parked out here on the side of the road." Oh shit! That was, was kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, that's only. That's I don't I don't know if it was related or not, but it was kind of creepy anyway. Um,
1: did you have, Did you ever have any sightings of the black helicopters?
0: Yes, yes, I actually have because had, they, no, like,
1: they won't have an they won't have an N number on their tail. They will have they will not have FAA markings we got a lot of reports of them that people that were abductees or contactees were having them kind of circle around their house.
0: Right. Yeah. Or yeah. During them. that time, they were, they were here constantly. They were here. I got a recording of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, even military helicopters. Yeah. But um, so man, it's already been an hour, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's interesting it's, it's, stuff, but yeah yeah, yeah they they use other yeah they use other intimidation tactics and just yes. you know kind of watch you well
0: you have any uh anything you want to promote i don't, I don't you know do you have anything going on that you want to talk about or
1: um, uh, i've been doing a lot of uh podcasting on uh, x v planus he's a friend of mine he has a um, podcast he's uh John Killian. he's really interesting. you can check out uh, X planus. Oh. Um, my Facebook uh, page is public, so you can come f- follow my adventures on there. Um, it's linked to my Instagram, which is Jill Weaver. And that's the only things that I have, uh, really going on right now. I've been just doing a few random podcasts. I have some really big trips coming up this summer. I'm going to go back out to the UFO campground in Utah and, um, and go peek over the mesa at the, at the ranch oh, that yeah. shall not be named.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah we gotta have that. you on again so we can talk about that cause we talked about talking about that we didn't even get to that yeah yeah That's yeah cool. i went
1: out last september and it, yeah a few interesting things happened i mean nothing like certainly ground shaking right. but you know
2: yeah, yeah. it was interesting, like said, it was I'm, interesting. Well,
0: yeah i'm sure you got a lot more to talk about and like i said we'll we'll try to work that out we'll get you back on again um but yeah well cool i really do appreciate you coming on um you know, like I said, is there anything else you want to say or
1: no that's great thank you so wisdom? much for having me and yeah I'd be happy to come back on and um, okay. we can we can talk some more about the weirdness that we've experienced and
2: uh...
0: <laughs> well, good beans. all right well <laughs> okay. Um, yeah okay well don't don't go anywhere I'll, I'm gonna talk to you real quick and for everyone else okay. like I said it's recording if you have any questions man hit me up uh, beyond.woodline at gmail.com. And, uh, we'll, we'll get those answers to you guys. And, uh, everybody, good night. Good night, Jill. Good night.